dating back to the start of the 2007 season, Joey Votto has almost 200 more walks than anybody else in baseball. He's got 1,338 of them. Second on that list is Carlos Santana at 1148. Nobody else has over 1,000. Walks, they haunt. They haunt on offense. They haunt on defense. Um, it's a very important part of the game. And, uh, you know, the Cincinnati Reds have been kind of reluctant to emphasize that at the best possible ways. Uh, Joey Votto has been kind of dragged through the media for most of his career because he's more than willing to wait for the perfect pitch before he starts to swing. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Why make bad contact? Wait for your perfect pitch and knock the snot out of it. That's kind of what he's been doing. Um, the pitchers, on the other hand, have kind of had a hard time finding the strike zone. Although, when you look up at the list of pitchers the Reds rolled out last year, it's kind of unsurprising that they had that high of a walk rate. Um, you kind of look at some of the departures that they've had since then, uh, and they got nearly 60 starts out of guys like Mike Miner and Chase Anderson and Reaver San Martin, who's still going to be in the bullpen mix this year, Justin Dunn, who's around also. Um, guys like Jeff Hoffman were in that mix, too. Um you look up at who they've replaced all of those departures with, especially trading Tyler Malley, Luis Castillo, and whatnot. Um, it's Luke Weaver, <laughs> and that's pretty much it. So walks were probably going to be a pretty prevalent part of the 2023 Reds. Assuming Joey Votto gets back on offense, he might even provide some of those for the good side as well. Um, anyway, we've been waiting and waiting and waiting to kind of reboot the former Red Reporter podcast for a while now. Uh, we've been kind of waiting for our perfect pitch to, to make our first swing. Um, and here we are, and we're doing it with, as the, the Walks Will Haunt podcast. Uh, new name, new brand, probably find a logo at some point along the way. Uh, but talking about things from a little bit different angle than we did the last time we did all of this, which has been, admittedly, about two years. And in that time, the Cincinnati Reds have chosen to throw themselves into a blender, hit puree, and see what's left. Um, so uh, we got a lot of different things to talk about, and we're going to try to do that with a, you know, a twinge of optimism when we can, um, perpetual cynicism. This is the Cincinnati Reds we're talking about, after all. Um, but try to do so with uh, a, a lens of uh, being realistic these days, which is what? We're talking about a team that's not going to spend any money, um, who has owners that are uh, as obnoxious as they are reticent to spend money, um, and a team that has been pretty much in the doldrums for the better part of 30 years that looks once again like they're still a couple years off. That said, there's going to be some interesting aspects about this particular team. Uh, we've got some good players that we're going to be able to cover this year, uh, along with a mixed-in kind of ragtag bunch of guys who uh, probably won't be here all year, uh, might not even make it for more than a couple games. Uh, but it is what it is. It's the Reds. Uh, we're going to love them. We're going to watch them. We're going to hate them. We're going to watch them. Uh, and that's kind of how it is and who we are. We're still here doing this after all these years. So I'm Wick Terrell. I'm your host for the Walks Will Haunt podcast once again. Uh, tonight, I'm joined by a couple longtime Red Reporter colleagues and friends and peers. Uh, Brandon Grayling, BK. Brian Baseball Jones is also joining us as well. Um, Welcome, guys. Thank you for joining me on this particular uh, iteration of uh, looking forward to being optimistic about Reds baseball again. Uh, BK, what are your thoughts on uh, just where the Reds sit right now, uh, given the entire massive cull of players that we've uh, we've watched happen over the last uh, couple of years since the last time we really sat down to talk about them? Yeah, man, it's been uh, it's been a, it's been a couple of years, hasn't it? Uh, in in Reds land. Uh, so, it's you know, I. Honestly, I don't know uh, anything about these players. So uh, I uh, like like most uh, people here in Cincinnati. I uh, have mostly tuned out of the Reds. Uh, obviously, we have plenty of other distractions that are are taking our our time here. 
Uh, obviously, the Bengals just uh, made it to their second straight AFC championship game. Uh, SG Cincinnati made the playoffs for the first time last year. We have one great college basketball program uh, poised to make another NCAA tournament. And, uh, you know, the Reds just kind of are there. And that's just kind of how I, that's how I feel about it. This, you know, hey, drive by the ballpark. I'll see, uh, you know, oh, cool. The ballpark. Remember that. So, uh, you know, but that said, obviously, as a kind of a prospect junkie and, um, you know, I'm excited to see the guys that are, are kind of waiting in the wings. Uh, excited to see more Joey Votto, you know, even if he's a shell of his former self. Um, at the very least, he'll he will be entertaining, and uh, you know, it it'll be it'll be interesting to see just kind of how these guys develop. And uh, but you know, I think that where we go from here is really is really the main uh, kind of talking point with this team. Just in that, you know, the the Castellinis are reportedly uh, you know quietly shopping the team and. Uh, so there, there could be an ownership change at some point. And I think that, you know, I think that that's very necessary to, uh, to bring some optimism into this and really just to kind of jumpstart a fan base that has just completely lost track of, of what is going on with this, uh, this franchise at this point. I I think Uh, that's, that's a pretty good, pretty good segue real quick is that, this yeah. time last year, I wrote a little bit, a little bit about that earlier today at, at Red Reporter. Um, where we were this time last year, we were stuck at a lockout, but we had seen how austere the Reds had chosen to go with the Wade Miley DFA or, or, or put him on waivers and got claimed. Rather, uh, Tucker Barnhart basically just them saying, somebody take him so we don't have to pay a million bucks buyout. We knew that once the lockout ended, things were going to get worse. The moment the lockout ended, things got way worse. Uh, they dumped Avenio Suarez, Jesse Winker, Sonny Gray in short order. They brought in guys on extremely short, if not minor league contracts, guys like Albert Almora and Colin Moran, who they they got like 600 plate appearances between the two of them or something like that. Like things got bad last year. The Reds aren't tied to guys like that anymore. They've got Votto, yes. But Moose is gone. Shogo's gone. There's no Mike Miners. They did none of those moves this year. Everybody we see play this year – starting at opening day might be really bad. They might be worse than 62 and 100 bad, but you don't get the impression that it's the kind of roster that where they're tied to players. And hopefully everybody out there is going to get better the more that they play. Whereas last year, that was certainly not the case. Um, It does kind of make you wonder if they have started gutting everything possible to get all their liabilities off the asset sheet. So suddenly liabilities off the asset sheet, good Lord liabilities off their, their, their bottom line. Um, to where they become a little bit more marketable to potentially be put up for sale, uh, which is, God, that's intriguing. That might be the most intriguing aspect of, here we are, uh, day before pitchers and catchers report. Not wrong, about, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the optimism of uh, potentially selling them being the biggest optimism here. Um, Brian Jones, what are your thoughts on on that? How about that? How about we lead in with that on, on where you think – uh, the future of the Reds franchise could be beyond just the on-field stuff. And if that's something that maybe we're seeing the first glimmer of uh, uh, of happenings here. Yeah, I mean, I think overall, I'm really optimistic about the future because honestly, it can't get a whole lot worse. It's <laughs> pretty bad shape. And I don't see that, like, I mean, even if we tried, it'd be hard to get a lot worse. The, the downside is 
um, it may be a while before it actually gets better. So in the long run, um, things will swing back. I'm sure they will, but um, it could, we could still be in for a rough road here. You know, I really wish that um, it, it's the kind of spot in the team that I wish that we could just say, you know what, let's just play all the great prospects we got. Let's put in the kids. If we suck for a couple of years, that's okay. Um, they're going to get the reps in. They're going to learn. And like all of that talent's going to come out. But, you know, that being said, the farm is not exactly stuffed full of greatness. So it may be a while. It, yeah. When was the last – I'm just trying to think league-wide. When was the last time a team went full-gut rebuild, turned everything over to the prospects, and then just let them play out, and two or three years later it worked? You know, like it, – I mean, So I, I feel like it's happened a handful of times, but not recently. I'm trying to I'm trying to remember like the remember those old like the Tigers teams like right before they right before they got good they they had a couple of seasons where they were you know at some I think Mike Maroth lost like 25 games or something crazy like that and yeah they, but they just stuck with I I just the thing that I remember about that is they just stuck with those guys and they just said we're playing the kids. You know, yep. they'll figure it out eventually. And it, and the you know, it took them a couple of seasons, too, but right? they the Rays. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's I been so. a while, but, the, but, uh, you know, back in the day, the Rays like definitely had a couple of years there where they turned oh, yeah. on in their existence <laughs> where they were just like, we're just going to play the kids. And, you know, a bunch of them turned out. A bunch of them did turn out. There's, well, no, there's right. no doubt about that. Um, but yeah, but the, the, the problem, the players turn out. But it doesn't really <laughs> <Right>. necessarily <laughs> lead to team success, and so right. True. And not to uh, not to mention since the, since the last time that happened, I'm pretty sure every team in baseball, perhaps other than the Reds, has hired away every person who ever came through the Rays front office. Um, so now <laughs> yeah. they're now they're stuck competing against them their old selves in that regard yep. too. So um, right. I mean, and the, in the meantime, the Reds have only brought in like all the jockeys and all the Bill Bavases <laughs> and like. Given all those guys' jobs while everyone else hires, like, the, the hot new talent. How little turnover <laughs> there's been in the front office, despite the fact that there's been nothing of note in the win column for ever, it's, it's, it's kind of baffling. It really well, is. Think of those it's, guys um, in the front office, Wick. Where are they going to go? Yeah, where, where are they going to go? <laughs> where are they going to go? That's a very good point. <laughs> where are they going to go? Um, well, all right, how about this? How about this? Let's, let's, let's pivot quickly to – the good about what the Cincinnati Reds have right now, because there is some, there's not none. There's some, that's how you don't lose 162 games. You got to have something that's going to win you 60. Uh, and the Reds do have that. They've got that. And in theory, if everything breaks perfectly well, maybe that's 70, according to some of the projections that have come out recently. But um, what what would you say the strength of this particular team is? It's got to be, it's got to be the starting rotation, right? And we're talking about a starting rotation that um, give me, give me one second here as I, as I turn my attention back to uh, a note that I should have had a little bit more prevalent. <laughs> um, yeah. The 2022 Cincinnati Reds got 62 starts from Mike Minor, Luis Sessa, Vlad Gutierrez, TJ Zoik. You remember TJ? Um, Chase nope. Anderson, Justin Dunn, Robert Duggar, Reaver San Martin. They traded away Tyler Malley and Luis Castillo, and they replaced all those players with who looks like to be the only addition to that list of starting pitcher options for this year, which is Luke Weaver, uh, who was a reliever last year. Um, 
Oof. And still here, here I am saying that I think the starting rotation <laughs> that, is going to be the strength, strength <laughs> of the of the Cincinnati Reds. Uh let's let's give credit where credit's due. Hunter Green, number two overall draft pick of the Reds, looks really freaking good. Nick Lodola, yeah. what sixth overall, seventh overall pick of the Reds, had a tremendous rookie season with all. He looks really really good. Graham Ashcraft looks to be the kind of uh, uh, great find of a draft and also the kind of reason why you saw them give some money to Derek Johnson and give him the pitching guru title uh, of the Reds. That's a top three that, you know, all coming off the rookie season, all with, you know, five plus years of eligibility left. Uh, that looks to be the strength right now, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I would say so with, especially with the, the, that top and talent with green and Lodolo, especially, you know, both of them, you know, have had their struggles since coming up, but they've also both flashed that that those little bits of brilliance that make you make you believe that they're going to figure it out at this level. Um, and really, it, I, I mean, I honestly, you know, you brought you brought that big list up, and it's like, hey, Luke Weaver is not going to be a bad addition to that, if only that he can eat innings and you know he'll. Like he'll be fine. It's just, you know, they just need to kind of let those guys do their thing. And, um, you know, they, they have the young talent coming up, but yeah, I I like what I've seen from Justin Dunn. I don't know if he's necessarily a starter, but you know, he could, he could potentially do the job. Uh, But then, you know, you get to the point where I think a couple of years down the line, those guys will have enough experience You'll be able to bring in, you know, a Wade Miley type level guy where, you know, a veteran that knows knows what they're doing, has been around the block and can kind of help solidify things. Um, but, you know, I think that this is going to be a really interesting test of just, you know, there's no Mike Miner this year, right? No, no, nobody they brought in like that, that is just like, you know, there's there's nobody who is going to stand in the way of these these younger players, uh, you know. Even even Luke Weaver's on the right side of thirty, right? And that's the kind of that's kind of where I get that that idea. But then uh, you know, Sessa. It sounds like Sessa's going to start. Um, I don't, you know, seems. We'll see how that goes. I, it seems like he's a better reliever than uh, a starter, but. Um, you know, I, I'm interested to see what happens. I think you, I mean, to your point, um, there's, there's potential there, but we got to keep our sort of expectations set for this year. If Luke Weaver is your number four and then you're hunting around for a number five, like if any of those top three <laughs> yeah. gets a sore pinky, um, you know, yeah, you're, well, you're and not two instead of 70, you know, and yeah, if, I mean, yeah, if Hunter Green gets a sore a sore pinky, he's going off DL for a month because you're not gonna waste. You're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna risk risk that guy making you know getting some kind of injury that he can't come back from. Right, and that that list I I, I rolled out there that wasn't twenty one starts. That was sixty two starts. You know, that's <laughs> that's how much they depended on those that's guys last year, third, despite. But- yeah, despite Castillo mm. and Mally being there and yeah. Green Lodolo and Ashcraft doing what they did. Um, you know, it's 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 certainly an, an instance where um 
you know, those three guys, Green, Lodolo, Ashcraft, that's who you build around. That's not who you hang out to dry. And the Reds haven't built around them at all. Um, so if you don't let them hang out to dry and you don't build around them, my God, we're going to see a whole lot of just completely random pitchers out there this year, which, you know, yeah. if, if the season doesn't matter, so yeah, be it. But right. Um, and and maybe, maybe maybe you'll get one of those, you know, those waiver wire guys that, you know, comes in and, you know, ends up just clicking in Cincinnati and he can be a piece of the next, the next good team. Maybe Connor Overton truly is the next Dan Straley. And we get a 176.1 inning season season out of him. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be ideal. But again, this is such a problem from, from, you know, the old guys blocking the young guys, they might have the problem that, you know, there's so many innings to take up and, you know, you end up putting a huge load on these young guys who haven't seen that before. Like they better be yeah. careful. They don't just sort of fall into overworking them. Yeah. Yeah. That would be tremendous since especially I, I led that entire segment with this. This is the best of what the Reds have right now. It's not what they have. It's, it's the best of what they have. So uh, it would be a dream to not run that into a ground in a year when you've not invested around them um, so that when Ellie De La Cruz and Noel V. Marte uh, uh, make their debuts in 2024, there's no pitching left because you burned it all in a year where you had no hitting. So, so, so um, what's there with? why not? Why, why are they going to debut in 2024? What are we saving? Like, put them in the lineup. Let them face Major League hitting. Uh, that's that, that. That would be tremendous. Yeah. I will say... It, I mean, yeah. Ellie, Ellie and Noelvi have such limited, even what Noelvi didn't have it. Ellie's got limited double A experience. Um, you know, that's not something that has prevented yeah. any other team out there from promoting their guys straight to the big leagues. They look no further than what Atlanta has done over the last decade, decade yeah. and a half of aggressively promoting their guys. Mm-hmm. Um, what it means, though, is a, you know, the back end of that from the Atlanta comp is. They've been willing to stretch themselves and extend those guys immediately, which I don't see the Reds doing. Um, True. And, and B without uh, selling the team, you know, a new owner would, might do without, that, but you know, a new owner very well might aren't do going that. to. Um, but on the flip side of that, if you're not going to extend them, that means you're already already obviously started their arbitration clock, which at you know twenty twenty one years old. I'm not sure it's something they want to do. Um, it's right. It's the kind of thing where if you look up and, you know, I, I think it's um, uh, Cespedes Family Barbecue is going to do something on Fox Sports, which is basically not ranking the top prospects in a team system, but rather ranking uh, the top players under age 26 in a league system, in a team system. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at what the Reds had right there, it'd be a tremendous amount of talent, none of which is locked up. And right. it's really hard to see where a team goes um, uh, when they're unwilling to lock up the guys who have already made it to the big leagues and also not promote the guys aggressively who are younger. It just kind of seems like both they're, you're burning both ends of the wick there uh, to, yeah. to use my own name. As uh, a, to be uh, fair, that's nice on brand. There. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, so, it is. But like, uh, so wick, like the question I would have for you there is like of those guys that the Reds do have, is there anybody that like, what would it take, do you think, for them to do that with Hunter Green or uh, Nick Lodolo or even even somebody a little bit farther off? What if, you know, uh, what if they do kind of what the Reds or what the Rays did with, you know, 
uh, what Wander Franco came up is, is the comp that I keep on thinking about. Obviously not as high, highly respected as a prospect of somebody like Ellie, but you know, I think that like, what if they handled it the same way is what I mean. I mean, it'd be tremendous. It'd be the kind of thing that would show a dedication to a future of the franchise, which they've not done in, in really, I mean, even if you look back at, at, at some of the deals that they, they've doled out, it's been since Votto since they've really said this is a cornerstone. You know, the Jay Bruce yeah. deal was, was what, six, seven years, which was, you know, similar timing to Votto. Yeah, um, but that, and that was mostly just buying out arbitration, I think, right? Yeah, in, in most part, yeah. Um, but even like like the Devin Mesoraco contract, which turned bad, that was still only four years and like 27, 28 million. Um, they haven't turned inwards to a big time player who has broken out early and really committed to them in a while. And yeah, just, I mean, know, Homer if, Bailey is the last one that really, that, that I think of there. Yeah. And, it, you know, you can see why maybe they're not doing it because they picked the wrong sure. players to do in that regard. Right. But if you're not <laughs> going to do that and you're also not going to invest in free agency, then what's and why, then why do you own a baseball team? Right. So exactly. That's, that's kind of where I am. This all shakes out pretty clear at this point, right? So clearly there's some good opportunities to sign some of the lock up some of these young guys, let a few of those guys get in there and play, see who looks like they're going to pan out, make your bets. We know that this ownership isn't going to do it. So Wick, you need right. to just get off your butt and buy the team. I do, don't <laughs> I? Yeah. yeah. Crap. I did not, I did not buy my, 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 my Powerball tickets tonight. That was a mistake. <laughs> that's a Monday, that's a Monday lost. Oh, imagine, imagine, Imagine winning Powerball and deciding to spend that money on the Cincinnati Reds. Holy hell. <laughs> oh, God. How tremendous that would be. How tremendous that would be. Um, Start throwing it away. <laughs> Lord. Well, how about this? So before we actually get to big league play, there's going to be the World Baseball Classic. Um, back again yeah. after a couple of years. And the Cincinnati Reds are going to have some pretty prominent players playing. Despite the fact that Joey Votto is not going to be the first baseman for Canada, which is odd because I feel like he's been a part of this for yeah. a big, big portion of the last uh, decade and a half. Uh, BK, I know you've, you've you brushed up on some of this lately. Uh, you want to kind of take, uh, yeah, take a view on this? Yeah, yeah. I about mean, I think, the, I think the Reds total, you know, have, uh, I think it's 16 players that I saw that are actually playing in this in the tournament. Uh, you know, most of them are are going to be minor leaguers. Um, you have a handful of big league guys. Uh, you know, Alexis Diaz being kind of the the main the main guy there. I think he'll he'll probably be one of the uh, kind of most used pitchers for Puerto Rico. Um, and then Luis Sessa is going to be playing for Mexico. Um, and you you've got a, a handful of guys, but then you know. I don't know. It's it seems like they kind of go towards the journeyman minor league guys that that end up signing with the Reds and you know and th- so you know they they've got uh so like somebody like uh, Tehran Guerrero is is counts on on the Reds list who didn't play for the Reds last year, right? Uh <laughs> came like he came came to the Reds he came to the Reds pretty right. He he might have but uh, he came to the Reds from Japan, uh, signed you know this past off season, and he's uh, going to be playing for the Colombian team alongside uh, Raver San Martin. 
but um, you know, definitely some interesting, uh, some interesting guys in here. Um, especially when you look at, you know, uh, no. So that, that's, that's the thing that, that is really confusing to me is that you don't really see a ton of prospects, like prospecty guys in there. Like it's, it's interesting that, yeah. They don't want to get hurt or, or is there something? Yeah, it must be, it must be something like that, you know, especially because when you look back on, you know, the previous ones, like the very first and second ones that we we saw, you know, you saw a lot of guys in on the Cuban team in Japan, right? Who were kind of playing domestically and uh, really made a name for themselves in this tournament. Yeah. Um, you don't really have, but you don't really get the the prospect type guys in this. It's it tends to be, especially in the you know the nations that are kind of more geared towards having big leaguers. Uh, you know, obviously Dominican Republic is going to try and win, win the whole thing, but then, so you're, so you're not seeing the Dominican prospects making that team. Right. Um, just because the but, competition is high, but like, yeah, some of the exactly. Other teams, I think it's too bad, right? It'd be better for the classic. Yeah, yeah. Get more of those, you know? Up yeah. And, and I mean, but, and the, the interesting thing I, I think that you're seeing too, is like, guy like, Guys like Ian Gabo, who, you know, I guess he, he pitched for the Reds in, you know, what, 30-something games last year. But uh, he's actually going to be playing for Great Britain, which, yeah, okay. Great Britain has <laughs> players to field a whole team. Right, yeah. Ichibo's dad is actually a legendary rugby player, apparently, which I had to look up when I found out he was pitching for the UK as well. I was like, wait a minute. Oh, that's actually kind of awesome. I should have known that by now. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Like, And so that's that's the thing that I love about this tournament is just, like, there's just so many cool, like, weird stories like that. And it's it, it'll be really interesting to to kind of follow it and follow these kind of lesser known reds and see and see what they do. Um, you know, looking at especially if you look at some of these teams and see even uh, former reds, I think is really interesting. You know, looking at the uh, the Netherlands team, I, I think is is going to be a blast to follow. Yeah, honk balls, are honk ball. Time. Yes. Yeah. Like, but you, you when you look at former Reds on that team, you have Didi Gregorius, you have Vladimir Ballantin, Roger Bernardina, Juan Kohler Sobaran. Yes. You remember JC JC Sobaran? Yes. Um, yeah. you know, all those guys. Pedro Strop is on this that team. I didn't even know he was didn't didn't know he would have been eligible for the Netherlands, but here we are. Chad Chadwick Trump, Chad Sicknarf. Do you remember Sicknarf Loopstock? I did. I do He's remember Sicknarf. Uh, all those guys were former. Were in the red system at some point. Yeah. One of the prides of farmers only for at least a couple of months. Yes. Yeah. No, exactly. That's that's, that's that's how that's how I remember all these guys. I remember. Yeah. You know, uh, and so it's you know it's just, it's fun to just kind of get those guys on a national you know, national TV and get them, you know, getting pitching in front of playing in front of uh, the world and seeing what happens. And they're going to be on Fox sports. So they should be fairly available to most people. Yeah. Not blocked or until, until, uh, yeah, until uh, (laughs) they go bankrupt like Bally did. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I guess that's the other kind of uh, uh, interesting aspect of um, if you're at, one of those few who are out there still trying to actively watch Reds baseball this year. Um, what 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 that's going to look like? <laughs> Where are you going to find that? Who's going to yeah. pay to cover that's a good- uh, this? That's a great point. I honestly have no idea. And so as, as the only one uh, on this this particular podcast uh, located here in Cincinnati, I'm blacked out from, you know, getting MLB TV or anything like that. So um, so YouTube TV has not is, is my is my streamer of choice. And they have not had any of the Bally channels for for since I've got since I've had it. Yeah, so um, BK, yeah. BK, so I'm, what, you're I'm gonna, what you're gonna need to do is gonna get you need to get a boat and go yeah. uh, park it in the middle of the Ohio River and uh, point it against the current, and drop a big anchor, uh, and then roll up a piece of paper and stick it in your ear, um, and you should be able to hear enough about what's going on there. And you there might you actually yeah. catch, catch a couple uh, home run balls from whichever team is playing against the Reds. Uh, that day, yeah. uh, I'll have to. I'll have to get like a drone that will go over <laughs> there. You uh, go <laughs> the river or something. Yeah, yeah. you guys yeah, know. Maybe I, can, I could probably charge for that. Uh, <laughs> Rob, Rob, Rob Butcher will. Rob Butcher will actually out, be out there shooting down your drone. Um, yeah, that's yes. true. That's true. <laughs> Back in the day, we had to struggle with this problem all the time, right? I grew up on the West Coast as a Reds fan, and you had to check the newspaper and look at the box score and reconstruct the game from last night. And you didn't know what any of the players looked like. So, you know, it'll be maybe like we can just sort of embrace that nostalgic, you know, baseball on the radio kind of feel. And we go back to, you know, newspaper box scores. I mean, there there was a day where, where you would log or not log in. No, it was well, well before logging in, uh, you would turn the (laughs) dial when you got in the car to the right. So it clicked once and then you turned a little more so you could hear it. And then you turn the other dial to 700. And when you got there within the first maybe 30 seconds or so, there would be something hyping the fact that it was a 50,000 watt station uh, that you could hear from coast to coast at times when like the, when the wind was blowing right. Um, And that's how, that's how you could catch Marty and Joe uh, back in the day and, you know, driving home from a soccer tournament in uh, Beaver Creek, Ohio, (laughs) or uh, from Memphis back to Lexington or whatever it was like, you know, oh, hey, it's it's 10 o'clock and the Reds are on the West Coast. Let's see if we can get Vin Scully on here or see if we can get yeah. Marty calling the game from there. And boom, you'd find him and listen to him for an hour or so. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's how we can see yeah. the Reds uh, once again when they're not as watchable as they used to be. Maybe they're more <laughs> listenable than they have been in recent years. Yeah, there's nothing yeah, like exactly. the ambient sound of a baseball game on the radio. There's nothing yeah. like it, man. Absolutely nothing like yeah. it. So, so yeah, oh, big man. shout out to Tom, Tommy Thrall and the Cowboy. I'm uh, I'm I'm all in on I'm all in on you guys. Let's go. We can yeah. find all sorts of good in this team. Look at us. We can. I mean, yeah. let's be honest. <laughs> it's 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 still baseball. Um, you know, the Reds are going to play Aaron Judge and Mike Trout in the next couple of years. Like, there's, there, it's they are one of the thirty major league baseball teams. It's one of something I feel like I've been reiterating left and right. But um, as, as as for the depth that they have fallen to, that is still something they can, they are able to boast about. Um, and we might see Elliot De La Cruz maybe opening day. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe he uh, comes yeah. in and does the he comes in and does the Chris Bryant thing where he hits nine home runs in Cactus League play, and they're like, "Well, at most we can hold him down for fourteen days to try to keep a hold of him," which didn't work for the Cubs either. But you know, right. maybe that's what it is. He just he just slaps him in the face and says, "Hey, 
I hit better from the left side. You can't shift anymore. And I'm awesome on the yep. future. Yep. And we see that sooner than later. Uh, you know, I'll give the Reds some credit here. A couple years ago, we did not see Jonathan India coming at all. Um, yeah. And he just kicked the door down, put up a four-win season, won rookie of the year, and that was that. Uh, maybe we see that Jonathan India again. You know, and if nice. we do, that's something. It's not nothing. Maybe we see yeah. a full a full season of Tyler Stevenson. God, God forbid, we see at least four hundred and fifty five hundred plate appearances of him. Um, there is optimism, not necessarily for what twenty twenty three as a whole is going to be, but the pieces that could and should and will still be around beyond twenty twenty three could have really good years to make this time next year. We've got a lot more optimism that takes us beyond 33 minutes. Maybe we get to 53 minutes and we're still optimistic at this point on, on the first podcast of the preseason. Um, <laughs> you know, there's, there's, there, there is enough there that could break right. It's just right. shit. No, nothing's broken right for uh, a here, long, Here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> if, one, if one of those things breaks wrong, this is oh, probably – this is an 105 loss team. That's and, right, but I think I, you I know, think like, I mean, the only way that I'm going to stay sane through this season is if I completely let go of how many losses we got. Except, you know, yeah. how funny it is that we did bad. Um, like, if they can show <laughs> the sort of progress of uh, getting some of these young guys, let's let's see Hunter Green take the next step. Let's see Nicodolo take the next step. Let's bring up those young guys and give them a chance to start playing. And if we see some of that development, and if that pairs with any kind of motion on ownership change, then, you know, I think that's what you're looking yeah. for as a winning season. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. And go, going back to our other point, you know, something I just thought of, like, you know, not being able to watch the team, you know, here, especially not knowing and not knowing about Valley sports and stuff, you know, I'm, I'm going to be really excited to go down to the ballpark on a Tuesday night and watch, you know, go watch Hunter green for, for 10 bucks, you know, and just yeah. kind of keep, keep track of these guys in person because, you know, it's going to be, you know, there, there is enough of that, that talent here to where, you know, I'll be telling my grandkids like, Hey, I went to go see Hunter green when he was, when he was just starting out and blah, blah, yep. blah. Like, All right, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe just maybe this is the year that, the Reds will put to rest um, pitcher win loss record as something that is a, an actual thing that people care about in oh, right. Reds country. Um, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't <laughs> Hunter Green goes out and strikes out thirteen guys and gives up two runs over six innings, uh, and the Reds lose nine to three because the bullpen gives up seven runs in two and a half innings. Uh, Yep. You know, and he, and he he goes six and seventeen with a three fifty ERA and leads the league in strikeouts. Like it's like it's shaping up to be that kind of year, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would take that in a heartbeat, you know. Oh, if yeah. if Hunter Green throws 180 innings, he's gonna strike out 250 batters. And if he does that, yeah, he might go six and seventeen or worse, but he's shown us that he is the pitcher that the Reds always hoped he was going to be. And all he needs is a bullpen and somebody to hit for him. And those are things that in theory, if you've got uh, enough money to own a major league baseball team, you can pay to find 
uh, after the fact, you can't find guys that can strike out 250 guys in 180 innings. And that's what this year is all about is making sure that the guys they think they've found who can do that can actually do that. And um, it'll at least be exciting to watch that minute tidbit of the 26 man roster uh, attempt to perform up to par um, because they do have a couple guys that look like they, they, they very well could do that. And I mean, let's be honest, like back in the, 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 the origin days of Red Reporter, um, can you imagine like like thinking about like a starting pitcher who might be like a five win pitcher? Like these were like the Elmer DeSins days. Like right. they <laughs> a five win pitcher <laughs> yeah. just didn't exist. No. Like five five win hitters popped up like like they were growing on trees, but you yeah. didn't have a pitcher in this organization to save your life. <laughs> the Reds might have a couple. They might have three. They might have four or five, depending on what uh, Andrew Abbott and Brandon Williamson can can step up and provide later on. Um, yeah. You know, it's a it's a little bit of a, a script flip, so to speak. Um, but it's so, it's so going to be it's going to be your question though. Whip, uh, I think another way that this could get pretty hairy pretty quick is that um, Lodolo and Green could go out and have good seasons and still give up a lot of hits and a lot of stolen bases because of these rule changes. And everybody's yes. going to be out for their yeah. heads that they're terrible, even though if you look at them relative to what everybody else is doing in the league, uh, it could be a pretty good performance. Yeah. So we've got no, we've got shifting restrictions this year. We've got a limited ability for pitchers to hold runners at first base by throws over. We've got larger bases, which I think we said earlier or on the the, the, the pre-podcast, uh, reduce the distance from first to second base by about almost five inches, which doesn't sound like a lot until you realize how many times you've watched replays mm-hmm. of players sliding into second base and four and a half inches made a lot of difference. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to see a little bit of a different baseball game this year than we've seen in the past. Um, Brian, what are your thoughts on – uh, what jumps out initially at you uh, in terms of what the rule changes have done and potentially how this Reds roster that we all know fairly little about <laughs> at this point uh, might be best equipped or worst equipped to adjust to them. Yeah. So I, I, the first thing that I think that jumps out at me is I feel like uh, the powers that be are talking less about making the game shorter and more about making the higher pace. And I think, this might go that direction, right? Like um, all of these, the the pitch clock is going to keep things moving for sure. Um, but a bunch of these things are going to increase offense, which is great because that's exciting. But more offense means a longer game. So it's going to not surprise me a bit if we look at average game times even go up some just because we've got a bunch more offense going on. So that's going to be interesting. I think um, it's not going to take teams very long to figure out how to use these rules to their advantage. Um, And, you know, so one of the ways that that could happen is that you get two throws over to first base when you got a man on first. Um, So if you're a decent base stealer and you can, you can get the pitcher to throw over twice. Now you can lead as much as you want. So um, I guess you could still get thrown out by the catcher, but like you, it's going to be pretty interesting if that all goes down the way it could. So, um, you know, if this means, and then of course the shift limits, um, you know, I think that, that that's only going to increase hits and offense. Um, so we could see a big explosion of offense this year. That's, a, yeah, that's an interesting like, way of, fr- sorry, sorry, go yeah. ahead, Piquet. 
Yeah, I'm just saying, that's all, I feel like that's definitely, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, all of these rule changes are just to supercharge offense and, you know, to not, not necessarily to, as you said, to, like, take the game time and shorten it as much as it's to speed it up. And, you know, maybe it's still a three-hour game, but instead of it being a 5-4 game, it's a 13-12 to 12 game. Right. And, you know, and you know, whatever, whatever metric they're using to, to <laughs> Rod Manfred's using, uh, you know, ends up you know, going the right direction. I don't know. I mean, whip goes like, way what, up. What, what I was going to get at is that like, like football has still, I mean, here I am comparing baseball to football. God bless. What am I doing here? Football is still a 60 minute game, but around about, you know, 2001, 2002, the Peyton Manning Colts offense started saying, well, hell, we can squeeze like 25 more plays in. And it's still a 60-minute game. And offense just gradually started exploding after mm-hmm. that. You know, mm-hmm. but and it's still a 60-minute game. You know, time frame's still the exact same. It kind of seems like baseball's trying to find ways to make more action happen within the framework of the traditional nine-inning game. Um, right. Well, it's, a, it's, <laughs> it's 27 outs. And so, yeah. you know, make – if you make outs harder to come by, then, you know, by and large, you will have, you know, the desired outcome. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and it is 27 outs before you reach the 10th inning, which now will have immediately item for item for regular season games, at least uh, a runner on second base to start immediately in 10th inning games, uh, not 12, 12 inning games, but immediately in the 10th inning of games. Um, which was cemented into place uh, today, uh, which are they doing that for the know. playoffs too? They're not because the okay. playoffs uh, they they realize the playoffs are are supposed to be you know quote unquote pure baseball. The playoffs the playoffs are the real game, and the regular yeah. season is just uh, you know yeah, it's just, just it, it, let's go do your, it's, do whatever. It's filler. Let's get it done. Let's put the put the numbers in the box score and go from there. Yeah, so it's uh. You know, there there are a, it's going to be a different game this year. It is, and you know, you can you can argue all you want about which way uh, the rule changes have gone um, versus the history of baseball versus the recent history of baseball. Fact is, uh, twenty twenty two in particular, in part because Major League Baseball chose to tinker with the balls. Offense was terribly down. Slugging was terribly down. Home runs were terribly down. Um, and this is off the back of a couple of year window where all of that was very, very much up. So they've given us enough variables where a, it's hard to pinpoint exactly what it is. That's going to be the defining variable about what drives scoring versus pitching in the 2023 season. Um, but also whether or not one change is going to make the difference or all the changes are making the difference, but it's undeniable that we're going to start watching from opening day on. And for six plus months, Watch a lot of things that we haven't seen in Major League Baseball ever before or in a very long time. Um, you know, it's been a long time since we've watched uh, uh, an elite left-handed hitter step to the plate and there be one second baseman just hung out to drive in between second and first base and that left-handed hitter being able to just smoke round balls in the right field for a single. Um, part of me kind of empathizes with them in that regard. I know, a much, much larger part of me is a big Joey Votto fan who wants to empathize with that. So I, I hope that's kind of what we see. Uh, but at the same point in time, 
I'm I'm looking over there, Jonathan Idiot, and I'm like, man, like I hope you're doing you know squats and lunges because you're gonna be diving left and right all season long, buddy. Uh, I hope Graham Ashcraft has figured out a way to turn all of his ground balls into ground balls to the, the other side of the infield because that's where the defense is. Um, those kind of things, the, the the little nuance that you know you you read about and you think it's going to happen, but suddenly you start tying it to certain individual players. Those kind of things are going to play out and a big sample throughout the course of this year. And um, it'll be very interesting to see how that impacts what the Reds do uh, with both of their team going forward. Uh, I joked on the, the pre podcast also, you know, is this the era that we're going to finally see the, the speedy defender at second base who can steal a lot of bags return to the game. You know, we haven't seen that kind of player in forever. He's got about, we got to sign Tony Womack for a two year deal and and put him up there. (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, yeah. Can you steal 60, 60 bags with, with five fewer inches on the bases and cover enough ground at second base to make up for it? Uh, teach yeah, uh, teach Billy Hamilton have, have him go back to the infield. Yeah, Dude, Billy, 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 Billy Hamilton's going to be the MVP next year. Billy at second base could be a four-win player next year, man. Seriously. That's, uh, that's Seriously. Nice, right? yeah. he, with a new rule, like whoever, whoever signs him, he's going he's gonna to steal 100 bases next year, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. He totally is. Oh God! I hope the Reds front office got a right. front foot on this, right? Let's see. Right. Yeah, let me look and uh, let's find the prop. Now that sports betting is legal in Ohio, uh, we can. <laughs> I can actually uh, put some cheddar down on this. Billy Hamilton over under forty five stolen bases next year. Ah, that's a good one. That's oh man, I'm, I'm looking at the fan graphs and all the different projection systems, and they do not appear to have taken these rule changes into account. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to have a a a, a backwards looking projection system and factor in all of this. Like, I don't know how you, yeah. I don't know how you adjust anything for that. Um, it'll be fascinating. I mean, it's baseball. Baseball is always fascinating. You always have freak seasons. Whether there are rule changes or not, I mean, sometimes they throw a helium ball in there one year, and yep. you look up at what what twenty nineteen was, and everybody hit seventy four home runs. Um, there's going to be some fun quirks about this upcoming season, and the Reds have enough enough good players or enough future players to where we might have some just weird anomaly anomaly, uh, if I could speak, um, that will pop up and make it be interesting in that own, its own right. So. I mean, God, we, that's why we're still. That's why we're still here talking about it, right? We, yeah, there's, we could even break seventy-five wins if we're lucky. Hey, how about this? How about they don't <laughs> start? How about they? How about they don't start three and eighteen? That'd be nice. I like that. Jonathan Indian. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Indian. Tyler Stevenson stay healthy. Good plan. The three young pitchers emerge. Jake yeah. Fraley is real. Joey Votto's back, and God forbid they 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 add at the July trade deadline. You know, like not only do you need to buy the team, but you're going to have to be GM also. Oh, God bless. I've got kids. I want to be lazy and drink beer. That's that's too much pressure, man. Damn it. How about I do a podcast about it? That that sounds sounds much more efficient, right? Much, much more efficient. Yeah. All right. Well, Brian BK, thank you both for joining me on the Walks Walks Will Haunt podcast, not the Red Reporter podcast, though I hope. Walks Will Haunt will pop up in the RSS feeds of everybody who has subscribed to the Red Reporter podcast of old. We kept that active uh, in part because I forgot to look at my bank statement and just kept renewing SoundCloud <laughs> month to month. Um, 
But that means we still have access to all of our old episodes. So if you ever want to go back and dig into all the stupid shit we said five years ago, it's there, damn it. It's there. You I cannot I um, cannot imagine that anyone would ever want to do that, but I appreciate but you, you uh, making it possible. But you never know. Hey, SB Nation deleted all their comments when they upgraded their comment system. So if you ever want to hear old RR discussions you might have to go back to the podcast to hear what the hell we were yelling about the podcast is the only might be the only way to to get it then the the only medium but i will say this i will say this and i'll end on this also um we've got some exciting stuff about the podcast upcoming and who we're partnering with and who we'll be working with and who will hopefully be overlapping with and sharing with also because um you know the the SB Nation world uh, of baseball writing over the last 10 to 15 years has produced a lot of weird things, a lot of awesome things, a lot of bad business models, a lot of frustrating business models. Um, they've made a lot of changes in what they have chosen to support going forward, but their unwillingness to kind of continue to support podcasts has kind of spawned something that I'm not sure would have happened otherwise, which is kind of a little bit of a continuity between a lot of the 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 podcasts that were produced by SB Nation blogs and we're hoping to have something pretty unique that will be coming out as the baseball season is kind of uh, dawning again uh, for 23 in the coming weeks. And so stay tuned for that. We'll have an update on that and we'll be a part of that when it drops. Um, and I'm excited about it. It's something that uh, I have fun doing and, and whether or not the Reds are ever, ever good at baseball, um, Baseball carries itself well enough to where I'm, I'm going to enjoy it for, for the long term and continue to find ways to talk about it, interact with it. So uh, stay tuned for that, and I'll have more updates on the next episode, which hopefully we can get around to putting out next week also. So um, that said, Brian, BK, thank you both for joining me tonight. I think we uh, we, we, we at least uh, shook the rust off of, um, of podcasting and um, tried our best to figure out what the heck the Reds have at the moment. Um, that's going to take a lot more digging into later because there's so much new stuff and so much unknowns that we're going to have a lot to figure out in the months going forward. But for both of you guys, I'm Wick. Thank you guys uh, for, for listening to us. Like and subscribe where you can find us. You'll find us more places in the coming weeks also. I'll tease that once again. Um, but thanks for listening.